Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. I know it's come up on the podcast more than one time, but Aaron, you and I have have different backgrounds, work backgrounds, Mm -hmm. that is. Um, Oh, okay. Well, I mean, we could could go into (laughs) our personal lives too, but... um, you know where where you've worked on larger teams inside of larger companies and 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 led those teams and I, you know I've I've tended to work with smaller teams or kind of more in a solo role uh, or small organizations and the reason I'm I'm saying all this to preface it isn't to just make a random observation but to kind of set up the topic for today because I, I was thinking uh, about this idea of um, when when you're interviewing a developer so whether it's to to hire somebody or whether it's to bring on a, a subcontractor or, or anything like that. You know, there's there's different ways and different ideas on how to gauge what is this person's skill level? Not like, are they a good person or not, right? But just mm-hmm. like, what do they know? Where, where are they at? Uh, just to, so I can make a proper evaluation. And so knowing <laughs> that you've done this a lot in the past, I've done interviews, different types of interviews. I, I wanted to uh, interview you today and uh, ask you some questions. So I, I, I promise I'd make it specific. So I guess my first specific question is when you're interviewing somebody and, and you're kicking things off, you know, obviously you want it to be kind of a relaxed environment. You're not you're not there to grill them or to trick them or anything. But what do you find is kind of a productive way to, to start a, a technical discussion to gauge somebody's skill level well the first thing i do is i actually read their resume or i search them okay um, before before the meeting there's a lot of people that come into them blind or they're like i'll learn what i need to learn when i need th- when i'm there <laughs> okay. um which is not setting you up to be successful yeah and so talking about su- success is first of all i interview or i approach interviews success focused i approach every interview as i want to hire this person hmm. not i want to find ways that they don't fit Sure. No. Right. Okay. You you th- you think that is what we all do, but if you're real honest with yourself, there gets this blood in the water sort of thing where you're just like, oh yeah, yeah I can't wait to be better than them or, or whatever. <laughs> There's a lot of these different things that can happen, yeah. um, and we all do that, or we might be a little self you know, insecure or all those different things. Mm-hmm. So I look at every res- um, everything first of all, and I say I want to be success focused. In order to do that, I have to know a little bit about that person because I want to remove some of their guards. Because okay. when I really know a person and we can break down some of these initial guards, then we can find out a lot more stuff about them and they can be more mm-hmm. for, forefront and, and say these things. And now this isn't just about like, would they fit in a team? This is about technical skill. Yeah. So I do some research and I find out things they're interested in. Are they very commonly publishing stuff about programming? Are they in music or whatever? And I'll use mm-hmm. something like that to kind of start out the conversation showing that I, even though I'm going to ask a bunch of technical tough questions, I'm not a robot, so you don't have to respond back to me like a robot. Aaron Bot 3000 conducting <laughs> this interview. Yeah, that's a good point because um, I, I can imagine being on the other side of that interview. Yeah, it, it, it's a little stressful. Like they're applying to a job or they're they're putting themselves out there because they want some some new opportunity. And so I, I could see that that fear of failure and coming at it in a in a constructive way. So. Um, I was also thinking, like, if you learn about them, their interests, their experience, like the sorts of things maybe they've published, 
other than just kind of like small talk, would you would you use some of that? I don't want to call it a softball question, but like maybe a warm up question, like something, you know, they have experience with and they're going to feel comfortable answering to get to get started. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they're if they're applying for a view um, job, view programming or something, mm-hmm. but they published a bunch of React stuff, I might say, hey, so first of all, t- tell me a little bit about your React experience. What made you really get into that? Okay. Um, and, and so because I know that React and Vue are similar enough yeah. that if they're really good at React, they're going to be good at Vue after a little bit. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, so like I might ask some stuff that's not about pertaining to the job. Um, but, you know, I, I empathetically try to come up next to them and say, hey, we're, we're in this together. We both want you to work here. Let's see if you're going to be a fit. Um, so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll use some of that background information. The other thing, which now I'm giving away my secrets. Do it. But uh, <laughs> I, I try to figure out, I'm not trying to say I'm awesome, but you have to be a pro to use this technique, is I try to learn from anything they have out in the world, what kind of communicator they are. Hmm. And whether they're an excitable person or a very quiet person or whatever, okay. because that tells me then how they're going to answer their technical questions. So um, it helps me learn how to put the proper filter on there. So if I am interviewing a, a programmer who is always on Twitter, always talking, super friendly, whatever, I need to make sure that I don't fall for their charm when I'm Ooh. interviewing them and asking them technical questions. Okay. Vice versa, if I find someone who maybe even sometimes has taken like angry, you know, if they comment on mm-hmm. like stuff and then people think they're angry or they're never out there, maybe their answers are going to be a little bit quieter or slower or they're not going to expand. Yeah. Doesn't mean they don't know what they're doing. Just means that that's maybe their style of hmm. of communication. So instead of thinking that maybe they don't know what they're talking about, I just know that they they need to be asked over and over until they expand further. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, ha- kind of having a baseline of their communication style, I can see how that'd be a, a useful thing. Um, now, I imagine the the types of qu- technical questions you ask would be different if you're hiring somebody for a junior position versus a, a senior position. But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe kind of thinking more about the senior position um, and l- let's assume that, that the company has some sort of basic vetting process, you know, so you don't you don't have to. I, I really don't like the gotcha style, uh, you know, mm-hmm. code this algorithm for me type thing. So let's assume the person has proven a certain level of competency, but you kind of want to get into their thinking. Like, um, how do they approach a problem? How do they deal with something that um, that maybe has more than one possible right answer do you, do you have any uh tips there for how, how to kind of tease that out of a person like how they approach something without putting them on the spot you know with some like giant complex problem they haven't had time to think about well that, that's that's a good question um i think that's one that many people have i'm going to sort of sidestep that but also answer okay. it at the same time is um one of the things that there's a challenge is like how do we measure technical prowess do we give them coding challenges or all mm. this kind of stuff right yeah and so there's been some very crappy companies, but there's also but it's just been some stuff where they actually give you a coding challenge that's work that they need done. Oh no, well, <laughs> I, I would never, I would never do that. Right? Okay. Um, but, but you know that's why people first of all get turned off by coding challenges a little yeah. bit. The the next thing is like, well, if I'm applying to five jobs and each one has a coding challenge that takes two hours, that's ten hours of extra work I have to right. do. And you know, you think about it as like. If they're doing those 10 hours, can they really be then doing their core job? Even though I know they're shutting off from their core job, mm-hmm. if they're if they're going to leave my job, I don't want them quite quitting and spending 10 hours doing interviews. Yeah. I want them yeah. to at least do the work until they're gone. So I don't want to do that to another company either. I, I feel like yeah. that stuff kind of goes, what goes around comes around. 
That's fair. Um, yeah. And so what I'll do is a lot of times I'll give them, uh, I'll find a project in a language that they're good at mm-hmm. and I'll send it over to them and say, we're going to walk through this code, um, usually a week ahead. Um, okay. And I'll say like, t- tell me some good things about this. Tell me some bad things about this, or let's do a code review on a pull request or something. You know, I'll do that. And I give them that week. And what that allows them is the flexibility to determine how they want to continue with the, with the mm. process. They can spend some time lo- looking through the code or they can do nothing at all and only like look through the code sure. on the, the call with me. Right. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing nothing at all. Honestly, I've done that a few times and I do the code reviews. I'm just like, well, I guess we'll just do this now. Yeah. But it allows them to work in whatever framework that they're going to do the rest of their job in. Mm-hmm. So if they have a bunch of free time in their life because they don't have a family, whatever it is, right? They're going to have more free time to look at that code and review it and make notes. And that's going to be the type of work you can maybe expect from them. Whereas maybe if they have busy and they're from a family, they'll have a lot less time to work on your code challenge, which means they'll probably have a lot less time to do extra stuff throughout the week anyway. So yeah. they're, it's just a different type of worker. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what the type of worker is. What is what is their availability? Not that there's anything wrong. I just want to know so I yeah. can fit them into my team because I don't want all 10 developers to be crazy people who only program and only do that. But I don't <laughs> want all 10 developers who yeah. don't have any other free time in their life. They couldn't possibly read a manual unless I gave them time to do it. You know, sure. I want a nice mix. Um, hmm. And so when I give them that flexibility, I can then say, okay, well, not only do I get to see during our call when they review this, what they know, but I get to see kind of, you know, how much, where they are in their life versus their career. So, so would you, I, I like that. Would would you give them some code to review that's actually from the code base that you're hiring them to work on? Or would you find like an open source project? Like what, where would you pull that from? That's a great question. Absolutely. An open source project that has nothing to do with what we're working okay. on. Okay. Okay. Be, because um, I don't, I want them to know clearly that has nothing to do with any of the programmers that they're going to work with mm. so that they can be honest. Okay, that's true. true. I like, didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like you can't come in. I mean, it's different for us because we're consultants usually and yeah. we're brought in to give people the business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, when you're trying to join a team, yeah. it can be really del- delicate balance. Do I say bad stuff about this? Well, I, I don't mean bad about the programmer. Or then you have the situations where they find stuff and maybe the programmers are like, Yeah, we know that's there, but you boss, you won't let us fix it. Right. You know. I just think it'd be even worse. Like I, as the interviewer, like this is my code. Okay. Now review it. Give me an honest right. opinion. <laughs> like be super awkward. Okay. I like that. Um, and, and that I, even that idea of giving it to them in advance, you know, not that you're requiring them and not, you're, you're not throwing homework on top of them. It's just an opportunity. Like, Hey, if you want to spend a little more time looking at this, great. If not, we'll look at it together on the call. That, that's, that's super helpful. Yeah, I mean, I've went through all the different processes with like asking technical questions, all those different mm-hmm. things too. And honestly, that just doesn't work. Yeah. You, you, you rarely spend any of your day asking someone real quick, how do you print? What's the parameter list or array string match or print R or whatever? Right, right, yeah. You, you spend most of your time having communication with them, reviewing code, understanding how they think. So technical stuff can be taught if someone's open and willing. Yeah. You really just need to open and willing people. Right. Yeah. And like you mentioned before, the communication style. Yeah. I, I thought it might be funny to, uh, you know, pick whatever like the Twitter drama of the week is and have them weigh in on that. You know, like I don't know if you saw like, recently <laughs> there was all this discussion like, should should you ever use final classes in PHP? And I'm just like, I ignore that stuff. I don't really care. But that'd be kind of a spicy uh, interview question.
usually after lunch every day, I, I take a short walk around our little neighborhood here. It's kind of like a... And by, by walk, do you mean nap? Oh, no, that would be much better. <laughs> no, actually walking. Um, and I'll, I'll even do it like in the dead of winter. Uh, but anyways, it's, it's you know, it's good exercise. It's uh, mentally, I think it's good to get away from the computer a little bit, just kind of reset. Um, but the other day I was walking and I think I counted. There's about 30 houses on the route that I walk. And I just started counting and 26 of them all had something in their driveway that just like for some reason it struck me as weird. And I, I want you to guess. I'm putting you on the spot, Aaron. What, what do you think that was? Uh, a garbage bag? No. You? <laughs> yes, I was standing on everybody's <laughs> driveway. No, no okay. I don't know why. A basketball hoop. And, and here's why it's weird. Okay. Yeah. How's that weird? How is American, good old America with a basketball hoop? How's that weird? I, we've lived in this neighborhood over 10 years now. So I know pretty much who lives in every house. Mm-hmm. And I would say there's maybe of those 30 some houses, like six that have kids. And I can only think of one house where I ever see anybody using the basketball hoop. And you know what? I'll include myself. We have a basketball hoop. I'm like, why do we have this basketball hoop? Like nobody uses it. So I, I was just wondering if there was like some secret charter in this neighborhood. Like when you build a house, <laughs> you have to, you know, sometimes I'll have the covenants in, in different neighborhoods. Like you, you have to have a certain color shutters and like maybe right. here it was basketball hoop. So like big basketball hoop is running, running our neighborhood, I guess. Yeah. Shaq owns the neighborhood. And I was like, <laughs> I need to have something to do at every house. That's right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know if that's weird. I, I can relate the whole, to the whole like watching or looking at patterns. Yeah. I used to go walking downtown when I lived down there and I'd go to one section of town, which was a bunch of row houses. Okay. Um, and I'd walk past them and there was like 14 different houses on this block all lined up and uh, they were maybe different colors, but they were just two different styles. One mm. had a gable on the front and one had flat and it, it alternated starting on the beginning. So it was like gable flat, gable flat until like the last three that was like flat, flat gable. And I was like, Oh, why do you guys do this? And like it, it would bother me even as I'm walking past, and I don't know why. I'm like, this means nothing to me, but I'm like, oh, if you guys would have just planned. Oh. And now it bothers me too. Thanks a lot, Aaron. <laughs> Maybe you don't want to interview someone and hire them. You just want the project done. Well, we can help. Head over to nocompromises.io and book a call with us. 